Welcome back to a new season of 9to5 Photographer, the podcast to help you get more shoots, make more money and spend more time doing the things you love. And today we have a special episode for you, someone who shoots weddings, boudoir, corporate, she's a Sony ambassador and she's talking to us today. It's Kate Kirkman, but you may know her as Kate Hopewell-Smith and she's here talking to us right now. Kate's going to be explaining what it's like working alongside Brent, her life partner, her experience of shooting weddings and what's important to her in life with her and Brent. But I also ask her a small stack of quickfire questions to find out more about her as a person. That's all coming up in this episode, so join me now as we learn all about that person who is Kate Kirkman. Kate, welcome to this episode of the podcast. Thank you for being here. How are you doing today? Simon, I wish I could say I was fantastic, but I'm afraid I am recovering from COVID. Been a difficult few weeks, I have to say. So, uh, I mean, clearly a few people have had COVID uh, around the world, but what's your experience of it being like? It wasn't necessarily what I expected in terms of the, the classic uh, advertised symptoms. It was just a horrible, sneezy, cold, sore throat, vicious headaches and fatigue. And... Um, I actually went downhill shooting a wedding. That's when I thought, I'm really not feeling well. I'm really not feeling well. Having tested positive that morning and uh, lo and behold, uh, two lines and turned around and had to come straight home. And yeah, but it was amazing how, you know, on the Saturday morning negative and on the Sunday morning positive. You know, I'm really not someone who gets ill. Um, hate letting anybody down, certainly Sony, but actually my massive concern was we had a wedding on the Tuesday in Bath, in the Roman Baths, and the couple... Oh, gosh. Yeah, and the couple were lovely, and they'd really done their research, and they'd really chosen me very carefully. And um, oh. we'd even had the conversation, which so few couples ask, about what would happen if you were ill. And my response was, well, don't worry, my husband would, would step in. Um, I said, but otherwise we do a lot of training. So, <laughs> oh, no. we, we, you know, we've got quite a big network. But, of course, um, Brent didn't test positive on the Sunday, but... You know, he was definitely, he's with me. So he was going to get it and, and he did. Uh, so someone else stepped in for you to cover that wedding? Yes. And it was actually the person who'd second shot for me on the Saturday at the wedding. And um, she, she, uh, she actually offered, but it was such a big offer because it, it was a night wedding. So it was a night ceremony in the Roman Bards. And honestly, I don't think it gets any tougher in the UK. I would say it's the toughest venue there is. Um, and mm. I, she came over here on the Monday when I was, she's had COVID and I'm recovering. Right. Um, and we sat for about three or four hours going through a lot of technical stuff in terms of lighting. And then I was actually on the phone for six hours during the wedding and she was pinging me photos from her Sony. Oh, it was full on. Yeah. Wow. And so you're trying to get through COVID. You're trying to manage a wedding remotely. You've got this person shooting the wedding. Uh, who's probably feeling, even though very capable, but probably feeling a little bit out of their comfort zone, partially because it's been thrown on them at the last minute. And and she did a brilliant job, and I'm super proud of what she did. Um, yeah, and I think that's been the problem, to be honest. We we have so much in the diary. That was the only thing I had to find replacements for. Most things could be postponed or moved. But the minute we were allowed back out, we were back out and we haven't really stopped. And, and I, and I, you know, and everybody's kind of saying, oh, you must be careful. You must take it easy and, and manage your recovery. And it's so hard when you're self-employed. I mean, we all know this as photographers. You, 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 it's not only a case of income, it's a case of letting clients down. So 
we have had to kind of get straight back onto it and that uh, and I don't think that's been the wisest thing for for our health but I guess it is what it is it is what it is yeah we, we don't have the luxury of of taking another week off sick or anything like that do we uh, we just in some ways just got to get on with it but I, I guess equally there's there's another lesson there for the future about I mean it sounds per- like a perfect world doesn't it about planning for events like this where you know financially you've 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 got that sort of buffer for you know months if you needed to because god forbid you know that the situation of breaking a leg where your recovery time may be significantly longer would would have more of an impact but i guess the harsh reality is that most photographers most people listening to this right now probably don't have 6 months worth of worth of income in the bank in case that situation happens do they no and actually i've always had income protection insurance which i don't think a lot of photographers necessarily do have and although I'm not sure you know how what how it would have worked with COVID because you know a lot of insurance policies had holes didn't they for COVID but yeah I think I was more concerned and, and I still have concerns about long COVID that's always been my concern and it's way too soon to know because they say that it's in your system regardless for three months and it's only if you're then getting uh, symptoms that potentially it, it could be more serious and more long term. Gosh. Okay, Kate, let's jump back in time a little bit because I first heard of you several years ago when I was growing my photography business. And I remember reading one of your columns in, uh, I think it was, I used to buy a few magazines. I think it was Practical Photography that I used to read your columns in, but whichever one it was, I always loved them. And you might think that I'm saying this just because I'm talking to you now on this on this episode, but you were the main reason that I used to buy that magazine each month. Uh, and I promise I'm not just saying that. Um, tell me about how you started and grew your photography business. When when you started doing this and, and what led you into doing photography in the first place? I, th- I think my story is very familiar to a lot of women. I was actually uh, pre-children in London, worked in media, in marketing and branding. I traveled a lot. Um, I, it was, you know, it was great. Then got married I always knew that family was important to me. And when I had my daughter, who's now 16, I knew that I wanted to take a couple of years out. And at the same time, we moved out of London. So it was a bit of a double whammy. And I wholeheartedly went into full-time parenting. But that still, I still stand by the fact that was one of the toughest jobs I've ever done. And, you know, I knew I wanted two children. So began that process. At the same time, beginning to think about doing something for myself because it's Groundhog Day, <laughs> young young kids, it really is. And I actually thought about jewellery or, or photography. And we had a dark room in the house that we'd moved into. And so I tried to find a, a, a film camera course and uh, nobody else signed up. So uh, swiftly shifted across to actually an open university course that was called The Art of Photography. And it was very much coming at it from the composition perspective, colour, form, just not not the technical side. And I did art and history of art as a degree and yeah, absolutely loved it. So for me, it was always a just something to do for myself. And it's the classic story. I, uh, the thing in front of me most of the time were, were young children. So I was photographing them and people started saying, oh, you know, you could do this. And for someone who used to paint, so I used to paint with oils, I found photography a much faster solution to get what I wanted. Mm. And I still, you know, think of the way I paint with light. It's very, very similar. And 
I'm quite classical, really. And, you know, I'm not this I'm not kind of a contemporary funky photographer. It's, for me, it's very similar to painting. So I thought, well, it's it's you know either learning to turn this into a business or getting back on the commuter train into London and going back into the old world. And and I just didn't fancy that at all. So I yeah did some training and most of the training I did it probably wasn't enough on the technical side, to be honest. It was a lot more about running a business, uh, which is really very important. And I kind of launched myself into it and it was a bit frightening and way outside my comfort zone. And I learned an enormous amount. And so when I was working with Nikon as an ambassador and, and the, 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 a lot of the magazines were in touch with me, I always said, look, I'm just going to be really honest about my journey and the trials and the the things, you know, and, and what's helped, I guess, what's helped me grow the business um, and sustain the business and, and where did I go wrong and what are the lessons? And that's all I've ever tried to be is honest. And I guess trying to stop people making mistakes that perhaps I made or, you know, learn some shortcuts. Now, one of the things you just mentioned there was about being outside of your comfort zone. And you followed that up with immediately by saying that's when you learned a lot. Do you think that being outside of your comfort zone is is a perfect place for us to learn as photographers? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I, I think it's absolutely essential, but I think you need to recognise that knowledge is everything. And, and, and for me, it was a realisation fairly early on. I've always said that photography, from my perspective, was like a big jigsaw puzzle. And when I started, there were not very many pieces down on the table. And every time I learned something new, whether it was to do with lighting or whatever, taking the jump from aperture priority to manual, my confidence levels grew massively. And it's all about that. I've always said, you know, I remember not sleeping before shoots, almost wanting to go to the location and 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 plan the shoot in advance. I wasn't light led, I was location led. And, and, you know, all I've ever said to everybody that we've trained and worked with is honestly, the more you learn, the, the more confident you are and the better photographer you are. So in order to learn, you have to put yourself outside your comfort zone. And, and, and I always think it's the, 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 the best way to learn, but some people don't like to be uncomfortable. Now, obviously you transitioned into photography and you have a spouse who is in the industry as well. Um, I'm thinking about people who, uh, who 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 aren't married to someone who shares that passion. Maybe they do something else completely different. Do you think that it's beneficial for yourself being married to someone who's also in the same industry? Well, I can honestly give you a comparison because he's my second husband, um, and I went through a divorce. Actually, oh, right. yeah, no, no, no. But I think it's it's important. A that I'm honest about that because it was a very difficult time in my life, but. That, that you know the father of my children was not a photographer he was obviously supportive of what I did but he didn't understand and he certainly didn't understand that the the amount of time you spend in post-production the amount of time you're spending on admin and and that was fine and and then Brent we were friends we've been friends for a long time he actually was a person that got me into photography and then I was a person that encouraged him to follow his love of filming and, you know, I would say 99% has been incredible. A lot of people are amazed that we we can live and work together. I certainly couldn't have done with my first husband. A lot of my friends I know could never work with their, with their partners. So we are, but we have fundamentally an amazing friendship. What it's done more than anything is it's totally enabled my business to massively evolve and and I think you can get to a point in in any business or any where, where potentially you've got to a, 
a really competent level and you're happy with what you're doing and, and then you stay there. And, you know, the truth is mm. that all businesses, they don't flatline. They're either in growth or mm. decline, which is horrible mm. truth, but it is a truth. Mm. And Brent and I have come together. We're much stronger as a team. We've got very different uh, skill sets. And he has evolved the business to include cinematography, to include the drone work, um, and just to be much more technically efficient. I mean, he is all about top studio software, online accounting, you know, all the things that I wasn't very good at, he has filled those gaps. So I, I'm well aware how lucky I am uh, to have, to, to, you know, to have him in my life and how we work together. I think there is one downside and, and that is probably we talk about work at times we shouldn't. Um, he's tried mm -hmm. to make me better at work-life balance. I'm a bit of a workaholic by nature, by you know, by nature, and he's trying to help me with that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we can maybe talk work at the wrong times. And he said that you're very lucky because he's filling gaps. I'm, I'm sure that he would also say that he's very lucky because you're filling a lot of his gaps as well. Definitely, we make an incredibly strong team, and and there were definitely, you know, I the the areas that we do a lot in now, there's no way I would have, I don't think I'd have evolved into cinematography. And i tell you why, it's because it's the audio side of, of that is incredibly technical. And also just the post-production mm -hmm. side, he's had, he does all of that and I do all the photography. So we, we have our kind of areas that we stick to and um, he, he likes doing the accounting and that side of things. And I'm I'm very much the client-facing person, and but yeah, it works. Now, I can see from your website that you're involved heavily in weddings. You've been telling me all about that, and clearly you started off doing family photography. But tell us a little bit about the other kinds of photography that you do and how you juggle and manage all of those together as well. You know, it's been really interesting being a self-employed photographer that having come from working full-time and working for, for corporations and businesses... I'm just amazed that we're just always busy, but never in quite the same way, month to month, year to year. And, and what we found is that we've developed certain areas of specialism that fundamentally we enjoy as well as know that are suited to our skill sets. And we've been very grateful with it because the, what came back first or kept us going during um, coronavirus was actually corporate work and, and boudoir. Those were the first things to come back. Weddings are now crazy, but they came back last because of obviously all the restrictions. So it's funny, if you if you said to me, you know, what do you shoot the most of? I, I would honestly say it, it varies, yeah, not just month to month, but year to year. And currently uh, I'm shooting a huge amount of boudoir and we're filming more and more weddings. Interesting that that's one of the first ones, along with corporate, that came back. Why do you think that is? There was definitely the restriction issue around weddings. Numbers, guests, venues, and the government having control fundamentally over the timing of that. We have some really great working relationships with uh, business schools and venues, and they needed videos to help explain how they were dealing with COVID. Not interesting stuff, stuff we wouldn't necessarily choose to shoot, you know, reopening videos showing how how COVID safe they are. But boudoir, there's been a real surge in interest. And I'm not, I can't actually necessarily tell you why, because it's not all from the same types of women. There's a lot more men booking for their partners. But that has been, you know, a really vital part of the business. Now, I'm a guy, obviously. I've, I've never shot boudoir before. It's it's never been my, my area at all. Is it an area where you come across men feeling a bit awkward if they are booking on behalf of their partners? 
Um, I think historically, yes. Boudoir is now hugely understood in the UK and not necessarily, you know, in a good way. Not everyone has a great opinion of it, but it, I think the term is understood and that's that's massive. Mm. But what I'm finding is that really lovely men are inquiring and when they inquire, they tend to write me quite long emails or fill the web form in and tell me why. And it's always to do with women's self-confidence and self-esteem. And they just say, I think my wife or my partner is absolutely beautiful and I want her to, to see it. And they're really heartfelt. And so, you know, don't get me wrong, I get the odd guy and they always ring. They never fill the form in. And, you know, I'm not sure what they're looking for, but I'm certainly not the right photographer. But, you know, that's few and far between. And uh, most of the time it's just really lovely guys who want to do something nice for their partner. That's really reassuring to hear, actually. Um, let's talk about equipment a little bit. Now, you mentioned about your uh, Sony relationship, but you also mentioned Nikon earlier on. Did you start off with Nikon and then switch to Sony? Yeah, so I was given a, a Nikon DSLR by my um, by my ex-husband as a Christmas gift, uh, very much an entry level with a little kit, kit lens, but that that's where the love began. And so I never made a choice with cameras and I loved my Nikon days, absolutely loved it. And then we came to an interesting crossroads where, number one, my Nikon ambassadorship had come to its um, its natural end. There's very much a time thing with Nikon, how they work with photographers. And Brent was needing to uh, reinvest in filming equipment and he was doing massive amount of research about what he should be shooting on. And he, he was hiring a lot of cameras and testing and testing and he settled on the Sony system and wanted me to try it. And, and, you know, I felt a bit like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And um, James at Sony, when the, he looks after the pros, he lent us uh, some kit. And although it was really odd and a strange, it's like a completely different beast, I have to say I absolutely love Sony. Uh, but I love it for now. I love it for, you know, the, where technology has got us to and the speed of it and the accuracy and you know it is a fan absolutely fantastic system but you know i felt like that about nikon at the time but i know that sony is right for now and what's possible and bearing in mind we do a lot of filming and a lot of photography we are using the same cameras the same lenses um and you know brent's gone from big shoulder rigs to literally the you know tiny cameras he doesn't even put battery packs on on his cameras and it's remarkable that that changed even in six yeah. years so as an ambassador for sony what does that actually mean and what, what does that what does that bring to the industry you being an ambassador yeah it's really interesting i think every manufacturer works works with their photographers in an entirely different way and certainly that is the case my experience of nikon versus sony um for sony you're actually quite relaxed about the ambassadorships it it really is about having a great relationship with them. It's about them trusting us to be honest with them. You know, they want feedback. They, 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 they're very happy to put kit in our hands and then say genuinely what's great about it and what isn't. And we're getting to the stage now where we're doing more and more projects with them, where, which is what I love. So I've always said to all the people we work with, and we do, we do a lot of work with Photo as well, we say to them, look, test us. You know, the best thing you can do is give us a challenge and then we will rise to the occasion because fundamentally we're shooting to commission. 
95% of the time, which is all great, but it can get slightly repetitive. You know, it's very rare that we actually shoot a wedding where the couple are super open to pushing us. And we had that maybe three weeks ago and loved it. You know, this brilliant couple, a brilliant wedding. And so we got to do some new stuff. But if I'm honest with you, most weddings are pretty similar and we're not necessarily pushing the boat out. So we've just done a project with Sony that will be um, kind of, you know, coming out in the next couple of weeks. And, and it was really good for me because it gave me the opportunity to try some new stuff. And it's very, it's very much an educational piece because that's what I've said to Sony. It's the same with Nikon. I've always said, look, I'm such a big believer in, in knowledge that, you know, let, let us try and help people who want to learn. And the Sony experience days that we did, I don't know if you're aware of them at all, where we were putting kit in, Sony kit in photographers' hands who were not Sony and teaching them and showing them. And they were so, there were such amazing days and people absolutely loved it because it's a really big thing to change system. And mm. also, you know, even reading reviews on websites about what cameras are capable, it's not the same as actually having it in your hands and and seeing it all. Mm. So mm. That, that's what we've always been about is trying to demystify the technology side of this and bringing it back to the art of it, I guess. Yeah, I can I can fully appreciate that that big change. I mean, I, I'm currently going through a change with Canon, but staying with Canon, but just switching from a DSLR to uh, to the, to the R5, and uh, I, I tend to still revert back to my 5D Mark IV when I'm shooting stills because I just <laughs> I just find it so much easier. Not because it's an easier camera to use, but just because I you know I'm. I'm I'm mid forties and it, you know I just find that it's you know when you're on a shoot, you know if you have to think about it then then it's clearly a lot to think about. But you know to get it in your hands and actually use it, you're you're right. You know it's much much more powerful than watching any kind of YouTube video on it, isn't it? And there's there's always going to be a pretty significant pain barrier with a new system. And what we found, because the Sony system is, is pretty complex, it's not hard to use, but there's so much that you can use that it overwhelms people. And so they almost don't try. And so, you know, I think, it, I think it's, it's, like, it's another comfort zone thing. You've got to go through the pain barrier, but you'll be frightened to do that on a real shoot <laughs> if something goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kate, I'd like to ask a couple of things, actually nothing at all to do with photography now, but this is purely for fun. I'd love to know three things that you're into right now outside of photography, outside of shooting, outside of cinematography, just for fun. Just for fun, gosh. Um, number one that happened this summer was Brent and I brought ourselves a couple of um, stand-up paddle boards. Oh, nice. And we actually joined, there's a sailing club very near, very near to us that we've kind of driven past this lake and because we're quite landlocked here, we, we, we never really thought, oh, and it's not that big, but it is amazing for, for, for the SUPs. And, and we've really tried to be good at, on a beautiful evenings or whatever, just getting in the car and going for an hour. Mm -hmm. And we call it date night. And we take food mm. um, and, and a bottle of wine. <laughs> and we, you know, we sup oh, nice. to one, yeah, we sup to one end and the sun goes down and we have a drink and we have a bit of a cheese, cheese platter and, and, and we don't talk about work. What a sophisticated way to spend a bit of time together. I love it. It's, uh, fantastic. it's been really important because obviously during lockdown, we had two teenage kids here the whole time and that was that was quite hard work. Mm. Um, mm. Number two is actually the family. So wow. I'm very, very close to my parents. We see a lot of them. We um, got a new black lab puppy for my mum. And yeah, Brent and I chose her and went all the way to Hull to get her. And 
she's just brought such enormous joy to to all of us and me particularly I, I just absolutely love her so I don't know in, mm. in a time where there's not been much on the horizon that's been um very important and I have to ask what the, what, what the Labrador's name is oh Cleo and that's because mum and dad, they live in a, in a house called Clearmac. And that leads me to my third thing, which is that we are, Brent and I are spending some time currently thinking about where we want to live long term. Because we're very much where we are, which is in Bucks near kind of Oxford. Uh, very much, I'm here because I was brought up here after I, we, came, we were in Africa when I was very young. And then my kids are at schools and uh, and we're getting to the stage where we don't need to be here forever. And Brent and I are, he's from, or was brought up in Cape Town. He's, we're both massive water babies. And we're both having a big think about uh, having a big location shift and change. So Possibly what, overseas kind of change? No, definitely UK, but um, we're going to go to the water somewhere. And so we're planning a few staycations to just, I think we know where we want to go, but that's a good thing in our life at the moment. That's actually really not about work. We're prepared for work to have to change in some way to accommodate a, a big, a big lifestyle change. Because naturally, of course, if you're by the sea, then uh, you know half of your target market area is going to be water. So you know clearly, it's going to mean more travel to get to the shoots that you've been doing in the past. Yeah, and you know we've worked really hard for 11, 12 years now, uh, and uh, I think the kind of photography that that I do. There's a lot of weekend work and you're busiest in the summers and I, I just don't want, you know, and I'm 46 now. I, I don't want to be saying this when I'm 56. No, I fully get that. Okay, excellent. We've got three good things there. And, and I've got one last question for you before we finish, which is that I've got a website here which has got a whole score, I think about 300 would you rather questions. So I'm going to ask you to pick a random number between one and 300 and let's let's see what comes up for it uh let's go for 133 133 right let's jump down 133 i've got no idea what this is going to be and 50 60 70 80 okay 133 would you rather only these are a bit random by the way would you rather only wear one color each day or have to wear seven colors each day <laughs> one I'm definitely somebody who yeah. is, is uh, I love colour, but I don't need to wear loads of it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll end up looking like Joseph. Exactly. Um, okay, give me another number then. Um, <laughs> let's go for 299. 299. Oh, here we are. No, I've just done a fast scroll. Okay, 299. Would you rather have a clown... Hang on. Would you rather have a clown only you can see that follows you everywhere... Oh, and just stand silently in a corner watching you without doing or saying anything. Or have a real life stalker who dresses like the Easter bunny that everyone can see. What a bizarre question. Wow. <laughs> a real life stalker could have serious implications for my working life. <laughs> so one, I guess the one that's just in the corner that I can ignore on my own. Yeah, it'd be a real problem at weddings, yeah. Simon, and boudoir shoots, all kinds of trouble. <laughs> all kinds of trouble. Yeah, no, no, absolutely right. I, I, I think we need to move on to another one because that's not a very positive one. Give me another number and maybe it's a more positive question. Okay, let's go for 12. 12, right. Okay, all the way back to 12. Here we go. 12. Would you rather spend the rest of your life 
with a sailboat as your home uh, or, or an RV as your home. Uh, I think sailboat, I know the answer sailboat, to this one. Sailboat, 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 sailboat. A good happy way to to end it. Yes, I agree. That does sound nice. Um, Kate, thank you for uh, for being here, for giving up your time. If anyone's heard this and they wanted to connect with you on social media or come to your website, what's the best way for them to find you online? Definitely my website, I would say. So either Google Kate Hopewell Smith, which is one business, or Bylumier, which is B-Y-L-U-M-I-E-R-E for the work that I do with Brent. We are on Instagram, again, under Kate Hopewell Smith or Bylumier. So just reach out and say hi. Perfect. That's really good. Well, look, thank you again for being here. I really appreciate you giving up the time and sharing your view of the industry and your experience and how you grew your business in the early days with our audience here. Thank you so much. Simon, thank you for having me. So that was Kate talking to us today. Amazing to have you on the podcast, Kate, especially to kick off a new season of episodes. Don't forget to follow her by searching her up on social media. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.